Hello, welcome to Myelopathy Matters, the official podcast of the charity myelopathy.org, where we talk all things degenerative cervical myelopathy from the perspective of the professionals, the researchers, and the people living with myelopathy. I'm Ben Davies, neurosurgeon scientist and a founder of myelopathy.org. I'm Ewan Sadler, a person with DCM and also a founder of myelopathy.org. This is Myelopathy Matters. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast. Unfortunately, I'm flying solo in this episode as my loyal sidekick Ben is away on holidays and is probably sunning it up by the side of the pool somewhere exotic as we speak. So today we are going to hear from Sheila Thomas Duggan, who is an admin in our Facebook support group, and like many of us, has been affected by DCM, but has been able to give up their time by volunteering and becoming an essential team member of myelopathy.org. Sheila and the rest of the moderators in the support group play a big part in supporting people with DCM. And without the help of the volunteers like Sheila, who give up their precious free time, myelopathy.org wouldn't exist. So we are forever grateful for everyone who is committed to the cause. So, without any further ado, let's hear from Sheila. Hi, Sheila, and welcome to the Myelopathy Matters podcast. It's great to have you on here. Thank you for inviting me. You're more than welcome. We haven't had a catch-up for a while, so just think of it as a catch-up as well, yeah? Okay. Tell me, how did you become aware of myelopathy.org? Originally, it was two years past my initial surgery. I was having some complications, so I went to a different doctor. He's the one who diagnosed myelopathy that was actually occurring with the first surgery. In doing my research online, being a technical guru, I kind of found you guys right away. And um, really liked the community in general because you could be so open and honest and pour your heart out as to how you're feeling and and the questions you had. And the group was very responsive. At that point, I've had, you know, several other surgeries since then and have just really enjoyed the group overall. Very supportive and uh, caring. Well, that's great news for us as well, isn't it? <laughs> and now you're part of that group and, you know, it's good to have people like yourself and all the other moderators helping us out, giving it a, an international field as well. How did it actually help you? What, was it, what did you find that the group brought to you when you first sort of joined it? It was the energy of the group to get the awareness um, out to the doctors out to patients. And I think the thing that pushed me to want to volunteer and um, do more was basically just that the information needs to get out there. We need to push. We need to have doctors more aware so they don't look at patients like they're, you know, going crazy when they say, you know, I have internal vibrations going on, but you can't see them, but I can feel them. Um, Those types of symptoms my doctor told me was incredibly vague. They didn't know what to do with me. I was really pushed to vitamins and it must be that I was overweight. And so I lost weight. It's, it's just been a whole 
circle of doctors pushing me away, saying they didn't know what was wrong until I, I stumbled upon John Hopkins and they, they helped me out to understand that it was myelopathy. But again, they don't teach you anything about myelopathy. They just tell you you have it. So it was another surgery and a lot of learning that I did based on the group's activity and um, based on your story and Shirley's story. There was plenty of stories out there to look at that I wasn't alone in this and that really there are some truly obscure symptoms that doctors just don't look at. And they just kind of look at you like, okay, (laughs) and what else do you want me to know? (laughs) So it's, it's a shame that our community is still doing that. It's it's really a shame that, that we still have some of that going on. I was talking to someone the other day and um, some doctors still don't sort of say, yeah, that, that uh, symptom that you've got is connected to myelopathy. So it's nice for you to go into the group and sort of tick the boxes to say, you know, I've got this symptoms like the shaking and so on. Yeah, that's part of myelopathy. You know, it just proves that you're not going mad, really, because there's a long list of symptoms that can be generated because your spinal cord is playing up. Your spinal cord is like encompasses your whole body, so it it can be anywhere. The symptoms. So, when you joined the group, sort of when and why did you decide to become more involved with the with the charity? Financially, I didn't have the means of doing, you know, donations at the time. And I just needed to give back to the community that had helped me. And also, it's important to me that people know we're here, we understand, and we will help you give the information back to your doctor that you need to. The information sheet that we have now is imperative that people take that to the doctors with them. It was just trying to give more of myself because... It was such a shock and I lost so much independence and the pain was so unreal that I now I understand and I hope I can make people understand that they're not losing their mind, (laughs) that the pain is very real and that there's other people out here with them. And I actually started talking to some of the folks that came in and was in complete shock. If I could fit the time zone, I would call them on Facebook or, you know, switch a number with them and and talk them through it because it is very shocking when you realize I just had the surgery because this doctor said it was emergency surgery that was needed and now my life seems ruined and that's exactly how I felt I felt like my life was over and it's just hard so I just really want to talk people through it let them know that there is certain documents and things that that they need or that they can work with their doctors on some of the stuff people just don't understand, you know, disability. And that's something I have have experienced in the U.S. So I can help some U.S. patients um, with that. So it's just it's just giving back as much as I can. So your motivation and inspiration really is giving back to people then, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's the empathy that they need that they may not get from their family at the time because families don't understand yet or it takes them a while to understand and they need that outlet and I want to be able to help them through that outlet of just trying to understand what what's happened to their life all of a sudden and help them through the next steps of you know what happens after surgery what do you need for surgery you know there's a lot of um, information that we have out there that 
we can teach people how to search for, which I do through comments. And Karen has been really good, another moderator who has had people talk to her. So it's really just getting the message out there, making people know that they're not alone and that there is life with myelopathy. It's just that your life's not over. And I think that's a really important sort of point to put out there. You know, there's people that speak, you know, you can talk to people, carry on with your life. You just got to learn to adapt, really. When you came into the, the support group, you, you've done such a good job. So was there any particular background and skill that you had that sort of helped you become an admin in the group? The only thing that really helped me was just knowing some technology. It's not much, you know, it, I didn't need to use to tap into my skill set. It was really just trying to get the empathy to group members who are struggling. It's trying to give some positivity to their day, maybe throw out a, you know, a positive ad that makes them stop and think that, yeah, all is not lost. You know, with me and my travels, you know, we share things on Sundays and I often share wherever I am <laughs> all through the United States and British Columbia. So it's a place to share. It's a place for people to realize that there, there's a community of us out there. It's really not a, a skill set that I brought to the team. It's really just how I had been through it. And I knew others were going to be facing the same questions, daunting tasks and doctors. And that's all. I think it's a bit of a groundhog day a lot of the times because you know what questions are going to come up, you know, because I can remember my questions when, you know, I was newly diagnosed and it's the same. You can see the newcomers coming in and you're, you're ready. You know what to say. It's like a flowing script nowadays to say, right, this is what you need to do and so on. We've been there. We've done that. We've got our experience sort of thing. It's all really valuable. So can you share some of the valuable experiences you've had while helping others in the group? Something that sort of stuck out to you? Yes. I've actually been called someone's superhero. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Yes. <laughs> I had a gentleman that just didn't understand what he was going through. And I kind of, you know, talked to him on the phone and kind of explained some of the experiences that I had been through and the adverse effects of some of the medications like baclofen. He found out that, you know, I've, I've had actually 13 spine surgeries so far. And uh, he was just like, wow, you're my superhero. <laughs> and it's not being a superhero. It's it's wanting to have a quality of life that is hard to have. Therefore, I made some decisions on putting in a pump. And a pump means a lot of maintenance. Every time something goes wrong, it's always the pump, they say. <laughs> Several operations were from, the, from, you know, having the pump implanted and getting an infection and having it re-implanted. But I think um, some of the experiences with the team or with the group has been People really appreciate hearing your story instead of just reading it. Um, one of the things that I would like to see us do a little better or, you know, advanced to, I should say, is having a live forum. Um, we have the calls, the virtual coffees, but a lot of people don't want to speak in a group. A live forum on set hours would be great. Or I have to say it's been invaluable to have the one-on-one -on -one phone calls with people because they really get it after you've talked to them and they're like, okay. And 
you're still traveling and you're still doing this. It's, it's valuable for them to hear that there is life after this, like I said, daunting acknowledgement of a, of a spine disease that they have. It's it's hard, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that I worry about. And I don't ever discount anybody's pain or what they're going through because worldwide we discount people's pain if we can't see it. And, and that's something that um, is really a shame. Been invaluable for people to open up and talk to me. Yeah, I, I've d- I've done a few co- phone calls myself. I've you know, people haven't had Facebook, so I've ended up giving them a call and so on. I've had emails coming through to me, and you can hear the relief on their voices and then where they go, oh, thank you so much. You know, uh, this has brought me, you know, helped me so much to sort of realize, you know, I'm not alone, even though. You've only spent about 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking to them on the phone. And with all your surgeries and everything that's going on, have you got any coping strategies that have helped you manage your physical and emotional aspects of having myelopathy? Yes, I I have. um, And some of them I've learned from you. Thank you. (laughs) I I do a lot of uh, meditation and I also, uh, which is, is, it just takes me out of my world for a little while. And it, it allows me to think, you know, I, I tend to think about being on a beach because it's, it's, you know, really been several years since I've been able to go on and walk on a beach and not feel like I'm going to fall on my face. <laughs> but I think the meditation and learning how to meditate is invaluable. Um, there are doctors that actually, physiotherapists that will send you to doctors, a psychologist that will teach you how to meditate about your pain. And um, I've actually shared several of those, several of those recordings that the doctor and I did to, to some of the group um, in email. (laughs) Um, But the, the other things that I have found invaluable is audiobooks. just sitting and listening to an audio book for a little while. It will actually relieve pain. I don't know how it does it. I don't, I guess it's the, the uh, serotonin, dopamine, whichever part of your brain <laughs> that you're trying to get to stop thinking about the pain, it puts you into a, a different subject, a different world, a different, um, you know, attitude, place of time. I love my audiobooks. The other thing that, that I have found invaluable is the tiger balm. <laughs> So I came across that and it is amazing. And the other thing is the reacher. <laughs> the reacher helps me cope because I can't reach anything. I've lost two inches. <laughs> Those types of things have, um, they bring me joy actually, because it's, it's kind of funny. My husband sings a song about short people whenever I can't reach anything. <laughs> so, so we make a joke about some of this. I have a wonderful support system here at home. My husband, although he doesn't understand the pain, actually went through something where he now says, I understand what you're going through because he had excruciating nerve pain not long ago. And he said, I'm really sorry I had to learn this way. But if this is anything of what you go through, you know. Yeah, I think um, explaining nerve pain is quite hard. Um until someone actually experiences, not that I, you know, want your husband to experience it, but it is a hard pain. And I think 
with the meditation as well. I think if you can sort of get your head around things, because, you know, mentally we underestimate how this condition affects us. I think the biggest step is sort of coming to terms with your diagnosis and then knowing what works, what can sort of elevate the pain. And I think, you know, the meditation has been a godsend for me to sort of deal with a lot of the things that I've been through. So, yeah, definitely, you know, get you out of the pain zone and it, you know, it works. It works. Some people may not understand how to how to meditate, but there are strategies out there for coping with pain and meditation. Um, there's audio books that help you deal with it um, and, and teach you how to do it. So there are resources. Insight timers are the one I use. It's free. So, you know, there's a there's a great sleeping one on there as well, which I use every night. And even my my ten year old son puts on now to go to sleep as well. I think it's important to find out what is what helps you and um and make note of it so that you know the next time that you're in excruciating pain and you're not exactly thinking um in positive ways, you know, look at your notebook and figure out what was it? What can I do? And just put down your positive thoughts or your negative thoughts. I keep a journal and it helps me to write how I'm feeling. Yes, definitely. So what has been the experience of volunteering with myelopathy.org? Um, what have you what has been your challenges as well? Some of the challenges are are strictly, you know, I would say when you have a bunch of people trying to to do good, sometimes you step on each other's toes, which we've always been able to work that out, thankfully. But the biggest challenge that I have is with Facebook's ever changing <laughs> strategies. Now they you don't have to have a, a real name per se to set up a profile. So now we're coming up with names that are Mr. Smiles or something to that effect. And um, yeah, some people only want real names and that's what we strived for in the beginning. But as Facebook changes, we also have to change along with it. So we're getting some more spam. We're getting a little more weird names or I don't want to say weird. I just just different. So those are the challenges that I really face. And sometimes people don't want to hear that you're listening to them you know, you understand because they're in a spot where they don't think anybody understands. And so sometimes you get into these little things where it's more around politeness, being political <laughs> online and uh, and Facebook's rules and regulations. Now they change and they change the features without telling us those kinds of things. That's really the most challenging part of it is just keeping up with what Facebook is doing. Sometimes people don't understand that it's not us as a group. It's just just the way the the program works. You know, Facebook's working. Yeah, we've spoken about a few things where we've gone, oh yeah, Facebook has brought out this feature, and within three weeks, four weeks, it's like, hang on a minute, that feature's gone now because we're the support group is only on Facebook. People sort of want to join the support group but don't want to put their personal information down so they'll they'll join as mr smiley face and so on so yeah we've got you know we've got to vet all the profiles and ask them a few questions before they come in 
you know, it's it's not all sort of clear sailing when you're looking after a support group. People do get their ups and downs. They have their bad days. Some people tend to go in there sometimes and think, right, I'm going to have a rave and a rant. You you know, you, you get the written word as well. It's totally different to having someone in front of you where you could, you know, read the emotion on their face and listen to how they're actually coming across as well. So I think that's quite challenging at some points. I think that's why, you know, I started volunteering to talk to people online because it's sometimes that one-on-one conversation is saying a thousand words when you really just don't know how to put the words out there. (laughs) One conversation can be, can really help someone out. And, and I don't mind doing it. It's, it's something where I, I understand because I remember when, I remember when it was me looking for all those answers. So it would be, that's the biggest challenge is trying to make people feel good, know that they're, you know, making the right decision when they need to have surgery or when the doctors are telling them that it's emergency surgery, people tend to want to back off from, you know, being operated on. And I completely understand that as someone who's been operated on a little too much, um, (laughs) the, the variations of myelopathy, um, you know, some people don't understand why other people are in such pain because maybe they had an accident and their neck got fixed immediately or their back got, you know, fixed immediately. So their myelopathy was short lived, you know, so they may not understand somebody else's pain. And those are the little things that you find in, in Facebook and it's just, or in forums, even just people in general putting out their messages, but I really do enjoy the group and, uh, enjoy the work that I do with them. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Apart from being called Super Sheila, what has been one of your biggest positives of being involved with myelopathy.org? I tell people this a lot when I talk to them is they're helping me as much as I'm helping them. It is good for me to see these stories as a person with myelopathy. So I'm just sharing with them. The only thing that I can do is approve and disapprove it's more the mental impact for me and and the positives for me in talking with people or reading the posts or responding to the posts is that it's all cathartic for me. You're giving me as much as I'm giving to you. That is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I think just someone saying thank you for your help is, you know, is the best feeling in the world, you know, where you've turned around, you've pointed someone in the right direction and they go, oh, thanks for that, you know. That means a lot sort of thing. So what would you say to someone out there considering that they wanted to get involved with myelopathy.org or join the support group? I think it would be great. I think we need more volunteers. I know that sometimes I can't get to things as fast as I'd like to. And I know that, you know, the different time zones can be a challenge. So various having people in various time zones would help. So I would say, let us know. <laughs> get in touch. Get in touch if you want to help. Always looking for help. The other thing is that it's flexible because you are volunteering. Um, you know, we can't set you to a schedule and say, okay, I want you to do this, 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 and this. Um, but there are things that we do do on schedule. Podcasts or meetings. You can do as much as you want to or as little as you want to. Yeah, yeah. Like I say to everybody, you're a volunteer, you've got myelopathy, you know, you need to take time out, have a rest, you know, don't overdo things. 
So, Sheila, where would you like to see malopathy.org in five years' time? I would like to feel a difference. The people coming to us, the people coming in to support, I would like to be able to say, oh, yes, my doctor understood and has told me now I have myopathy instead of my doctor thought I was crazy (laughs) and wouldn't tell me about my and didn't tell me I had myopathy or, you know, there's some of the a lot of the things that we get is just the doctors don't understand and spouses and family don't understand. Those are the two main people in your life that are going to help you. Your support, your support um, infrastructure being your family and friends and the doctor being the person that's going to prescribe and take care of you. Um, if we could get the awareness out to both of those parties, it would mean a world of difference. And that's why we have the caregivers group is to, to help with the infrastructure, the support infrastructure at home. That's not a good response as well, the caregivers group. Like you said, partners, friends, family, it's hard for them to sort of understand. And it's nice that they can sort of talk to each other as as well about living with people with malopathy as well. I think that's taken off really well. And you've been a great advocate as well for trying to tailor more the support group to the different time zones. So that's been a plus point as well. Well, thank you. And it, it, we do have a lot of time zone differences. And if there's any way that I can help an individual, um, just reach out to me, let me know, and I will see what I can do to be accommodating for all the members of the group and anybody who's got questions. Um, you know, the, the best thing I can do is give you as much information as I know or I've experienced and point you in the right direction for additional information. I mean, that to me is is basically what I'm here for. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, one of the things that I would, would definitely say is to allow yourself to grieve. If you're just new into myelopathy, there's a grieving process when you're not 100% yourself after surgery or after, you know, talking to doctors. So make sure you take care of yourself. Grieve what you don't have anymore. Grieve your independence. Grieve the fact that perhaps you can't drive anymore. Which, woohoo, I just got my driver's license back. <laughs> After five, well, actually, it's been seven years, I just got my driver's license back. <laughs> so, well, well um, done. Well done. Yes, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm at a point now in my health that the doctor is, has released the hold. Here in the States, they can put a hold on your license for medical suspension. It's liberating. (laughs) But if you can't do it and you're alone or you're a single parent, allow yourself to grieve. Uh, I think we too many times we tend to beat ourselves up when we're not being at our best all the time. But we can't be at our best all the time with myelopathy. That's just not something that has been possible. Yeah. And I think your idea of having a, a book to write down things in there and one good thing that I've sort of sort of learned through the years, probably the hard way as well, is if I was overdoing something, because that would hit me for about two days, always jot down if you're, say if you're having sort of problems, you're having more pain than usual, always think back and have a look at what you've done in the past, because 
you know, it's probably something that you've overdone now would have aggravated the pain, I think. Exactly. I have trouble with carrying a book around to write my thoughts in or so I just do a journal online, even just software that you download to your phone if you want to make sure that it's private. The thing with myelopathy.org is and the support system that is here is we're gonna do what we can to research and help you. And that's one of the big things with myelopathy.org is they are researching. We do have research papers on the uh, website, and I can't point people enough to the um, the page. You and you, I believe you gave me the exact address, and I'm looking for it. But there is a page for you to print out and take to your doctors um, that would certainly help them on the website. I can post it um, in support again to make sure that everybody has it. Get in touch with us, and we'll. Uh you know, point you in the right direction there. It's been fabulous to have you on the podcast. And I can't thank you and everybody else who volunteers for Malapalit.org and gives up their time to help people enough. You know, without you guys, we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't be Malapalit.org. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to all the work you, you guys do. But if there's anybody out there who wants to get involved or get in, get in touch with us, and join our community, they can get a hold of you, Sheila, yeah? Yes, they can. I, I would definitely welcome it. Drop me an email and we can point you in the in the right direction. Thank you for being part of the podcast. And, well, I'll catch up with you soon anyway. As always, it was great to catch up with Sheila. And even though she's had a pretty tough time with all them surgeries, She's forever in the group, committed to helping people with DCM out. And she goes above and beyond to do so. Like I mentioned there, we are forever grateful to everyone's help. But also, this is open to anyone. It's not something everyone can do. But for me, it's a very positive experience. It really created purpose for me during a very dark time in my life. And it's so rewarding knowing that you've helped someone out with their DCM journey. So if you want to get involved, then get in touch. My email is yuan at malopathy.org. That's it for this episode of Malopathy Matters. My trustworthy psychic, Ben, will be back with me for the next episode. Thanks very much to Sheila Thomas-Duggan for joining me. This was Malopathy Matters from malopathy.org. The podcast was produced by Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. To keep up to date with the latest field in degenerative cervical malopathy, why not subscribe on your favourite podcast app where you will find all of the previous episodes. There's also a lot more information and support to be found at malopathy.org. Please do get in touch at ben at malopathy.org